let's uh, continue uh, by turning to uh, Acts, if you would. Uh, chapter 5. We've been dealing with the uh, story of Ananias and Sapphira, which goes from verse 5 down through verse 11. And today we're concentrating on verse 3, uh, and we're walking systematically, of course, through this, uh, so you can say, you can see it's going to take us some time. But we're looking at verse 3, particularly verse 3 and 4 uh, this morning. So Acts chapter 5. Verse uh, th- verse 1, beginning at verse 1, and we'll read down and include verse uh, 4. But a certain man by the name of Ananias with Sapphira his wife sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan Filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Uh, Let's pray together. Um, Our hearts rejoice in uh, worshiping you. And we th- we're thankful for this song, Jesus, that uh, resonates in our hearts. And we know that uh, not only do we praise you during uh, the singing, but we praise you uh, by the lifestyle of our very being. We praise you by the very attitude of our hearts. We praise you by the ver- very well we inter- by the very way we interact with each other. Let our lives be a constant uh, expression of praise to you. And we come to this, uh, this message this morning and these verses and we cry out to you, O God, that you would uh, somehow communicate to us. We don't want to just go through the actions. We're not interested in just another sermon. We're not interested in just some more ideas. What we're interested is in your voice speaking to us individually deep within us. And Lord, if you speak to us, could it spill through us into our world We pray this morning for our community. We pray for our world and all that we're facing and our president and all that's going on with the governors and all the riots and all this stuff that's taking place, God. We are totally beyond... It's totally beyond us. We have no way... God, here we are, isolated in our little place. But would you somehow, in the greatness of your being, uh, intervene again? And are you in the middle of all of this... And do we have confidence that as you have done in our lives, you can do in the lives of the thousands that are all around us. So we offer ourselves to you today and say, Jesus, speak to us, we pray thee. In your name we ask it. Amen. 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 Uh, I would think that the most common question in the human experience is the question, why? Everywhere I go, people are asking, why? Why did this happen to me? Why does that take place? When I was a kid... My parents would tell me exactly what to do. Do this. They would demand it. And I would look at them and say, why? And they would give the old answer, because I told you so. Looks like you identify with that. Uh, That is the issue. Why? Because the human being, guys, the human being cannot stand to be without purpose and reason and some kind of direction. 
And if things are happening that don't make sense, if things are taking place that don't come together, if things are happening in my life that are, have no reason and no purpose, see the woman who is pregnant, she understands the pain she's going through because there's reason and purpose and final destiny in it. And you can live with that, but you can't live without purpose and you can't live without reason and you can't, you can't stand circumstance. Why did this happen to me? Why don't I get the breaks? The old issue of why you can't, you just can't live with that there has to be some kind of answer in all of that and so we ask the question why but life doesn't give us answers which is why christianity is at the heart of this because the question is not why the question is who that's the question That there is somebody who's in charge. There's somebody with an almighty hand. There is somebody who is absolutely sovereign in his being. There is somebody who is almighty. There is somebody who's not buffaloed by all of this. There's somebody who has a plan. There is somebody bigger than we are who is in charge. There is somebody. There is somebody. And his name is Jesus. So the question is not why. The question is who. Which brings up the whole issue of faith. Because you may not figure it out, but if there's someone who has figured it out and who does have it figured out, would you trust him? Would you absolutely give your life to him? Come under his influence and allow him to direct even when you don't understand. And are you supposed to understand? Is it necessary for you to understand? Do you have to figure everything out? Do you have to know everything that's going on? Will you trust somebody who does? And is Jesus really the one? And can you give your total life to him and absolutely come? under his authority and know that he is the answer to the why because he is the who who has it all under control and that's called faith now we've defined faith around here because it's an abstract and it's really hard to get a hold of but we've defined faith around here as invoking the activity of the second party so we're labeling Jesus as the second party, which is always, wow, shouldn't he be the first party? Absolutely. But he hasn't been the first party. That's the problem. For you see, in my life, I've been invoking the first party, which is me. See, I've always relied on my source, my resource. I've always relied on my knowledge. I've always, always relied on what I can figure out, what I can understand, what I can get done, what I can get a hold of. Now I'm going to step into the arena where I no longer rely on the first party. I'm going to rely on the second party which is him and I'm invoking his activity in my behalf so everything that happens to me I immediately revert back to hey I can't you can I'm going to let you I immediately revert back to hey you act I'm not going to I'm relaxing leaning resting in him that's faith and in the midst of that kind of faith and that kind of response See, verses like the Romans 8.28 thing begin to make sense. All things work together for good. How can that be? The tragedies, the disappointments, the things you come up against in your life, and that's all going to work? How can you? There is no why. Answer to the why. There is a who. Who? who is totally in charge and has that thing under control. And can you absolutely jump into his arms, link with him, merge with his being, and allow him to do what he wants to do within the chaos of what you don't understand?
That's the issue of Christianity. Isn't it interesting that in our passage, when Peter confronts Ananias with what he's done, it revolves around the issue of why. Oh, look at it. Uh, Verse 3. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? Why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? Why did you keep back part of the land for yourself? Oh, look look at verse 4. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why, why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Why? Ananias, can you see Peter standing before him, looking at him saying, What on earth? Why? Why did you, why did you, what? Why? Why would you do this? And he confronts him with the why. Interesting thing is, if I'd have been there, I'd have looked Peter right back in the eye and say, let me ask you, Peter. Why in the Garden of Gethsemane did you grab a dagger and try to cut off a guy's head instead of trusting Jesus in the midst of the chaos of the betrayal in the night hour? Why did you scatter like a rat, man? Running away. Why did you follow afar off when they drug him off and took him to Caiaphas' palace and nearly beat him half to death and ripped out his beard by its roots? Why did you follow afar off? Let me ask you, Peter. Why did you hang around a fire warming your hands on the outside of Caiaphas' court? And why did you, as you were hanging around there warming your hands, a, 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 little, a little maid servant came up to you and said, You're one of the disciple guys and you actually cussed and damned that you didn't even know him. Why did you do that? Come on, Peter. You answer the question. Why? In fact, another servant came over and backed that up and said, You are one of those disciples. I've seen you with the group. And you cussed and damned some more. And then about an hour later, one of the guys came up to you and said, You've got to be one of those disciples. You have the Galilean accent. You're from Galilee. And you cussed and damned again. Come on, Peter. You want to ask the question, why? Why, why? Oh, let's let's ask us the question. Why would there be failure in my life? Why would I not be faithful? Why would I not depend on Him? Why would I live in spiritual poverty when there is the riches of all the grace of God Himself? Why would I live in defeat day after day after day when there's victory at every hand why would I live in anxiety and worry and when there is security and peace in His presence? Why, why would I be stressed out and have anxiety attacks? Why, why would I do that when there is the overwhelming strength of the person of God to indwell the human life and bring us through? Why would I live in unforgiveness and grudges and, and bitterness when there is... He has forgiven me for every... Why, 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 would I, why would I live in hate when there is this phenomenal love that has come my way? What? Manly? Why? 
why in the English language is an adverb? It reaches out and grabs a hold of the verb and gives it direction. In other words, it focuses it and has the idea of reason, the reason for, the purpose of. So the why takes the verb and thrusts it into this, this arena of reason, purpose, direction, trying to make sense of it. Why? Uh, work with me on this, will you? Number one, remember. Now, it isn't exactly in our passage, uh, that is in verse 3 and in verse 4. But it's in the context. It's all over the context. And I first got into this idea of remember. And I I found it other places. And then, of course, it became apparent here as well. And I found it place after place after place that the Scripture calls us back to this as I believe Peter is doing to Ananias in this passage. But I first ran into it in the uh, Joseph scene in, back in Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew, chap- or Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, the first narrative for the Christmas story is given to us. It begins at verse 18, goes through the end of the chapter. And it presents Joseph to you. And Joseph, of course, is in a moral dilemma. He just plain flat is asking why. He doesn't know what to do, can't understand what's happening. How did this whole thing blow up? And of course, it's all over Mary. Uh, they, have be, they are betrothed, which is a, uh, betrothal is a one-year period of kind of probation, get things ready. They're not officially, haven't had the wedding ceremony. They're not living together, but they are legally married. But they're not together. So there's a one-year slot there. And you're to get everything ready, the house ready, the, the hope chest ready. You're, you're to get prepared to move in together, have the wedding ceremony. So it's during that one-year period, she goes down to Elizabeth's house and to visit. And, hey, we can understand that. But she stayed and stayed and stayed and stayed. And then when she came back, she was giving visible, vis, visible Im, uh, 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 image of the, of the fact that she was with child. And, of course, it spread. Nazareth is only a small town of about 5,000. It spread all over the place. Everybody's talking about it. Whoa. They're all laughing and saying, Oh, Joseph, that old dog. Wow. (laughs) See, because how do you explain this? What is the why of all of this? How do you explain where all of this came from? What's happened here? And, of course, when Joseph finds out about it, he's absolutely devastated because he knows he's not the father, so there's only one other conclusion you can come to. And he is just absolutely wiped out with this thing. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know the answer. So the only thing he knows to do is the best he can. And he doesn't want to, he doesn't, he doesn't want to ruin her life in that sense, but he can't marry her. Oh, good night. He would be identifying with her sin. And as a just man, he just cannot do that. And yet, and by Jewish law, he could stone her to death, but he doesn't want to do that. So he decides, hey, I'll just put her away. I'll just, I'll just divorce her. I'll legally get out of this contract. Just wipe my hands of it. And what is, what is, is. And that's the end of that. So he just, he, he's decided to do that. Goes to bed. But the angel of the Lord shows up that night. You know what the angel says? Joseph, son of David. You know what that is? That's, come on, Joseph. Remember who 
you are. Come on, remember who you are. Joseph, son of David. Don't lose sight of that. Joseph, son of David. Get on with the program. Joseph, son of David. Don't, do not be afraid. Why? Remember who you are. You're a son of David. Now, the interesting thing in the passage, that starts at verse 18. But verse 1 through 17 is the genealogy, which you have your devotions in every morning, I know. So the genealogy is a 42-generation genealogy going from Abraham right down through to Joseph. Joseph is the last one, then Jesus, at bringing into the existence the Christ. And he gives that genealogy. Now he says, hey, remember who you are. Remember... You're in the genealogy, boy. Remember, you're in the flow of this. Come on, remember. You're not just some average guy of the street. Come on. You're not some number on a board, buster. What? Get all of this thing. Remember, remember who you are. It'll help you in the answer to the why. Because when you don't know what's going on and you don't know why it's happening to you and you can't explain the purpose to it and you can't understand the reason for why it came your way, I want you to get a hold of the fact of who you are, man. You are a son of David. That's who you are. 42 generations of it. And you're in that. Now, there's several things that flow out of that. One, of course, is the idea of protection. Do you realize that everybody in the genealogy was protected? That genealogy was absolutely protected. I mean, God, the sovereign hand of God, the reason the genealogy formed. I mean, Abraham, there was no, there was no nation, but God chose Abraham and started this whole nation called Israel. And this is the genealogy of that nation, man. And right slap dab in the middle of it, of course, is this guy by the name of David. And the protection of God is over this and nothing is going to interfere with that genealogy, with that nation, with that flow, with that plan, with that idea, and all the issues. Hey, the genealogy just so-and-so begets so-and-so begets so-and-so begets so-and-so. There's no, but go to the details of their lives. Whew. Mercy. There's, there's this David guy right in the middle of this whole thing, and you're a son of him. Come on, Joseph. You're a son of him. And who's this Joseph, or who's this David guy? Well, that's easy. David is the guy who's the shepherd boy who's out there and the lion comes and you know who gave him deliverance over the lion? The sovereign God who says, I'm protecting this thing. You know who delivered the bear into his hands? It's the sovereign God who, hey, this is all under my hand. This is all under my control. You don't understand what's going on, but it doesn't matter. There is no lion and there's no bear that's going to upset my plan. There's a guy by the name of Goliath. Hey, he's about, wow, a giant compared to all the rest of us. He's a giant. And he's challenging the armies. And everybody in the army of Israel is scared to death of him. And this, this shepherd boy, but this teenager by the name of David steps up and with a little sling wipes him out. What, what do you think this? Hey, the, the lion, the bear, the giant. Hey, everything's under control. And you may be asking why in the circumstances of my life. But wait a minute. I am under Joseph. Don't get upset, Joseph. Don't get bent out of shape. Come on, Joseph. Get a handle on this thing. You're a son of David. And there is a protection that's going on in your life. 
I wish I could convince you of that for your life. Ah, that's David. I know. But guys, that's true for you. If I knew your story, I could point out to you the hundreds of times God has distinctly intervened. I should have been dead at least 15 times as a teenager. <laughs> you, you, you identify? Well, why aren't I dead? There was a divine hand that even in my rebellion and even in my disobedience, there was a divine hand that had protection. Come on, remember. Remember. But in this genealogy thing with Joseph, there's not only this protection thing going on in the genealogy, but there's this provision thing. Again, go to the details. It isn't just so-and-so begat so-and-so. Go to the details of their story. And do you understand that there was a divine God who was consistently, constantly providing, providing for them? Oh, the most evident of it is this, is this whole Egypt thing and, and the deliverance. The death angel came over and, and, and a lamb is provided Blood on the doorpost, which is provision for the deliverance from the firstborn dying. And when they get into the wilderness, who is it that brings manna from the sky? Hey, they don't plant gardens. Good night. Who is it that brings manna from the sky? Who is it that brings quail in the bush? Who is it that brings water out of the rock? Who is it that provides their shoes not to wear out? Who is it that constantly defeats their enemy? Who is it that his constant hand is upon them? Not only protecting them, but providing for them until every need of their... And Joseph, you want to hang around and say, oh, what's going on? My life is in a mess. Come on. Come on. Don't you know there's a sovereign God and you're the son? Would you just remember who you are, man? Would you, would you just remember the sovereign hand of God? Will you just remember you didn't just happen? You didn't come along. Would you just remember that somehow, some way? Well, which brings us to the next idea, which is the plan idea. Don't you see the genealogy from verse 1 through 17 in Matthew before this dilemma that Joseph finds himself in is all about a plan. Well, I don't understand the plan. I know. I know. Things are happening that don't seem to fit. I got it. There's all this that's going on. Read the stories, man, that are in the genealogy. And yet... God was systematically, step by step by step, developing this unfolding plan that was so phenomenal. A whole world was going to be moved forever by it. Redemption was going to take place. Why? Because there was a... Remember, you're right in the middle of that plan. Remember, son of David. Come on, Joseph. Why are you whimpering and whining in the midst of a dilemma that you can't figure out? Things that are happening and you're wondering why. And why did this happen? And why did she do that? And why did this? And why that? And why the other? Don't you understand? Right in the middle of all this, there is the overwhelming protection of a sovereign God. You're in the middle of that. There's the provision of the Almighty. You're in the middle of that. And there is a plan taking place. And we have hammered this so much you may be getting tired of hearing it. But do you understand 
There is this overwhelming plan for your life and it is so huge and it's not just for your life. It is a plan and you fit into that plan. And again, he did not create you and then come up with some kind of plan for your life. He had an overwhelming plan and you fit into the eternal unfolding plan of God's heart for all the eternity. And you want to ask, why? <laughs> would you just remember? And what would be the conclusion of that? Wouldn't you jump into the middle of his arms? Wouldn't you say, hey, I'll come under your influence. If this is the way it is, it doesn't matter what happens, who does what, all the chaos. It, hey, come on. The virus, the whole bit, man. Don't you understand? How, how could you live in depression? How could you live stressed out? How could you live mad? How could you live blowing your temper? How could you live? Would, wouldn't, wouldn't you just relax in his greatness? Because the answer to the question, why? Well, it's not a why at all. It's a who. For it's him. Now, bring all of that into our passage. So Peter is standing before Ananias and Sapphira later. And Ananias and says, why? Why has Satan filled your heart? Why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? Why did you keep back part of the land for yourself? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Ananias, would you just remember who you are? Well, who is he? Well, he's a Jew. All of his life, he's been offering sacrifice lambs, all pointing to the Messiah. Every morning when he gets up, he says, could this be the day? Meaning, will the Messiah come today? He's been looking for the Messiah all of his life. He's been under the control, under the, under the worship experience of a sovereign God, Jehovah. Come on. All of his life. What's wrong with you, Ananias? And then can you imagine the Messiah shows up, Jesus, you crucified him, and yet you were confronted with the reality of that truth, and you embraced Jesus and joined the early church, and your heart and life was filled with the very essence of God, and you experienced what Abraham never got to experience. You experienced what Moses only dreamed about. You experienced what all the prophets of old only talked about. You got to be actually filled with the presence of God himself. And you lived in the early church and you sat under the teachings of the apostles and you were, you were living in the flow of all of that reality. The reality. In fact, the chapter 4 verse 31 thing where they were praying and the place where they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, man. You, you lived in that, Ananias. Can you remember all of that? What, what happened to you? Why did you allow the Satan to fill your heart? Why? Why? You, I, have heard so much truth That we never deserve, we do not deserve to hear one more word 
until everybody in the world has at least heard some. Jesus has bombarded you, <laughs> beat you over the head with the reality of his presence. Provenient grace has kicked you in the behind day after day after day after day. The wonder of his presence, the greatness of who he is. Come on, would you just remember who you are? And that the sovereign hand of God has literally been guiding, guarding, providing unfolding the plan would you just would you just jump in would you just okay I'll I'll be his would you just just remember now as you look at the question again in verse 30 in verse 3 chapter 5 verse 3 in the scene Peter again is confronting Ananias why has Satan filled your heart? Why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? Why do you keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Why have you conceived this in your heart? The second idea here that is linked with the remembering is the response idea. There is no question at all that in the essence of the question why, there is indicated a response. You have been... It, see, it assumes the responsibility of response. You responded. In other words, the old idea, well, the devil made me do it. See, you can't get by with that, not in this passage. Why? Look at it again. Why, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? Why did you allow that? See, you had responsibility in that. In fact, it's really strong as he goes on to say, Why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? You did that. You have responsibility in that. Why did you keep back? Hey, it wasn't your wife that did that. You kept back part of the price of the land for yourself. Why, why, why did you do that? Why? You have responsibility in that. It really becomes plain in the last question in verse 4. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Come on, you, you have responsibility in this. And he lays it out. Nobody forced you. See, the old, well, the devil made me do it. Now you can't get by with that. Not here. Why? Why? I got off on this a little bit. Uh, I guess it was Wednesday night. Because I'm really working on this. This seems to be really... A confusing element in all of this for all of Christianity. See, if Christianity is simply, let's say, 25 things to do, 25 rules, 25 laws, here's 25 of them right there. If that's what Christianity is, come on, get with the program. Do the 25 and you'll be okay. Well, yeah, that's hard. So I. At this point in my life, I'm only able to do five of them. But I'm working on it. I'm trying. I'm not all I ought to be, but hey, I'm not as bad as some people. Because some people don't do any of them. So at least I do five. 
And then I go along and, oh, I'm doing better. How do you know? Well, I'm doing 10 now. Woo! And finally I get to 12 and a half, so I'm half Christian. See, the language, do you get this? The language of, I'm trying. The language of, well, I'm, I'm, I'm improving. The language of, uh, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm partial. I'm not all I ought to be, but, hey, I'm better than I was. The, that language fits that. That whole picture, doesn't it? Well, I'm working on it. God understands. What if that's not Christianity? What if Christianity is a relationship with a person? Which is an intimacy. And it's not just knowing someone or knowing about for sure. And it's not just knowing. But what if it's an intimacy on such a high level that the two individuals, and we've been using the words merger, fusion... What if Christianity is you and Jesus coming together in such intimacy, in such, in such giving of yourself to each other, in such oneness that it isn't about 25 rules, it's about knowing Him. It's about does your heart literally beat for Him? Have you literally jumped in with all you've got? Not are you doing all of these things, not checklists, not steps to accomplish, but literally an involvement in the person Himself, the literal, actual person of Jesus. Oh. If you could just fall in love with Jesus, man. If you could just give your whole life to Christ. If you could, if he could just become real. If you could just open up your heart and say, oh, invade me. If you could just tear down all the walls and all the barriers and all the hesitations and get off of this thing and just literally bathe yourself. Allow him to bathe himself in your life. If you could just, if you could just live in him. If you could just... Now, in order to get you to do that, you know what we've done? 25 rules. Come to church. Read your Bible. Pray. And those are not bad. But see, these became so big, we got off this. And the answer to the why is not this. The answer to the why is... And if you take him out of the mix, well, how do I become a Christian? Repent and believe. Like, come on. You know good and well. You could kneel at this altar and confess every stinking sin you've ever done and you still wouldn't get in. And you could believe the whole gospel and still not make it because the devil believes and trembles. So evidently, there's something going on that's bigger than the activity of repentance and bigger than the activity of belief. Well, what, what, what is that? What is that element? What is that? See, that's what he's getting at. Ananias, you've gone through all the acts. Ananias, you've come into the early church. Ananias, you've been there when the fullness of the Spirit fell. Come on, Ananias. You participated in the miracles, the gifts of all the Spirit. Come on, Ananias. You've walked in all that. Good night, Ananias. Why? Why? Why, why, why did this happen in your life? 
because you didn't jump in with everything you had. See, you didn't, the element, the one key element of all of this you missed. You, you just, you just put your toe in the water. You, you didn't, you didn't give your whole self. You didn't, you didn't passionately burn in your bones. See, this, this Jesus didn't, this relationship with Jesus didn't become your, your totality. See, you didn't come under the total influence. You weren't intoxicated totally with Him. You weren't drunk with His presence. That's the problem. That's the problem, Ananias. And because that didn't happen, because you weren't totally in, because you were partial, because you played the game, because you went through the acts, because you put on a show, because you... Satan filled your heart, man. Well, I did 25... But you didn't have... And it's all right here. When you're drunken in the Holy Spirit, you are participating in the blood of Jesus. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. But if you're drunken in the flesh, then you are of Satan and darkness. It's the way it works. I know the difference. And I feel the Holy Spirit has come upon me. I, I don't know why. But, 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 but anyway, all this And it's all found in Him, isn't it? It is. It's all found in Him. So th- this, see, this is the message. This is the message. So it's back to not the 25 and doing better. It's back to the intimacy and the totality of His presence in your life. And of course, as you look at the passage then, there's this idea of results. So we... We started out with this idea of remember, remember who you are, man. Remember who you are. Remember the movement of the sovereign God in your life. Remember all of that. And and you have a responsibility of response in all of this. Because, hey, He has imparted to you. Will you respond to that? And you must respond in totality. And, And then there comes the results. Now, He gives two results. And it's really severe. This is really heavy. Now, you'll note at the end of chapter 4, verse 36, he gives a positive. And the positive result is what? Barnabas. Barnabas was an apostle, which is translated son. uh, Barnabas uh, was given a nickname by the apostle, which is translated son of encouragement. He's the son of encouragement. What did he do? He sold land, gave it all. That's a simple statement. Just that. He responded. He was all in. And as it unfolds in the book of Acts, Barnabas is, uh, and we've talked about this before, but Barnabas is like, I think it's 23 times his name shows up in the book of Acts. I mean, he's just all over the place. He was in the first missionary journey that went out to win the world out of the early church. He, he was at the heart. He was just going around encouraging people. Just, just, he, he, was, he was at the place, Antioch, when they, where, they, where they nicknamed us Christians. That's where it came from. He was there, man. He was there. 
Barnabas was right at the heart of this all the way through. And when John Mark was rejected by Paul, who was, it, who was there to say, hey, I'll pick, I'll, pick, I'll pick you up, you come with me. And they went on another missionary. It was, it was the son of encouragement. There was, that's a positive illustration of a guy who's totally, absolutely all in. How do you know he is all in? Well, he sold his land and gave all the money. Now, you could sell all your land and give all the money and still not be in. See, that's... So this becomes hard to talk about. Because then you say, well, what do you want me to do? I want you to do anything. That's back to the 25. This is not about 12 steps. What is this about? This is about intimacy. This is about oneness. This is about the opening of your life to Him. This is about focusing on this person. This is about you and Jesus literally coming together in oneness. This is about, this is about living in who He is. And when that happens, you get a Barnabas. Well, what if that doesn't happen? Well, you get an Ananias. And what happens to Ananias? Well, he dropped dead. Now, there's no place in the passage that says God killed him. So I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. God doesn't go around killing people. God doesn't give death. God gives life. He never gives death. Doesn't mean death doesn't come. Means that if you get in him, it's life. And outside of him is death. In fact, the truth of the matter is, death is constantly spilling out of anything less than the totality of the influence of his presence. So when something happens in my life, when a tragedy happens in my life, when, when, when things take place that I can't understand, when, when it's beyond my why, the reason, and the I don't know why, when that takes place, how do I know whether it's life? How do I know whether it's death? It could be either one. The way I know is because it isn't about why, it's about who. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? One thing will happen to a guy and it'll ruin him. The same identical thing will happen to a guy and it'll make him. How do you explain that? Obviously, it isn't the event. It's the who. Come on, man. You got one shot at this. <laughs> Manly, are bad things going to happen to me? Yes. <laughs> are things not going to work out? Yes, they will not work out. <laughs> are things going to fall apart? Yes. 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 But whether they're bad or good depends on Him. For He always gives life. Let's pray together. Jesus, You're amazing. And Lord, I beg Your forgiveness this morning. 
because I haven't painted your face clear enough. I haven't, I haven't magnified who you are in great enough dimensions. Would you come? Would you literally overshadow, permeate, reveal, make yourself known to us? Would you confront us as Peter confronted Ananias? Would you confront me? Would you move at the heart's door of every single individual here and knock on it? Would you make yourself known? And would you convince us today That this is not about why did this happen to me. This is about who. And the event itself, regardless of how it appears, whether it appears bad, whether it appears good, whether it appears a blessing, whether it appears a disaster, it's not about that. It's about you. And am I in... Am I yours? Are you and I together in this? Have I given my life to you? Do I know you in intimacy? Am I operating on my own? Am I living out of myself? Does my life pivot around your presence? Heads are bowed. Hey, why, man? Why, why, why don't you be all Jesus wants you to be? Why don't you jump in with both feet? Why don't you totally abandon yourself to Him? Why don't you quit seeking in all the other directions and just seek Him and Him alone? Why don't you just allow your life to be immensely saturated, soaked, ingrained with His being? Why don't you quit living and trying to figure out the why and embrace the who? Why don't you become passionate? about the one who's passionate about you. We want to take a moment. Just some moments of seeking. Our altar's open. It's just a moment to kneel, to commit, to jump in, to set everything else aside. To declare availability. To declare the allegiance of your heart to Him. 
And somehow in the midst of all of that, the why doesn't seem to matter. Because he is so adequate. Want to join me in seeking him?